Good morning, church. And as we gather this morning, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Philippians. To the book of Philippians. And I want to tell you that I have been in the Word this week and I have been encouraged by what God has revealed to me. And I hope that I'll encourage you. I don't know about you, but we need encouragement today. Amen. And um, if we look this morning, it depends on how you look at things sometimes. That depends on how you feel about things. And Paul had a positive outlook here, unbelievable, as we read. But we're going to read it right quick, and then we're going to pray right quick, and then I want to kind of give you a context of what's going on. But Paul is in prison. He wrote what we call the prison epistles. He wrote this book, Philippians, and he wrote Colossians. He wrote Ephesians, and he also wrote Philemon. And those books he wrote while he was in prison. And it's amazing what he writes here, thinking he's in jail. But look at what he says in verse 12. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, what? He's chained to a Roman soldier. He's been in prison for at least two years in Caesarea before they moved him to Rome. He is in Rome right now as he writes this letter. And he says, I want you to know, brethren, that the thing which happened to me has actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard, that's the praetorium, that's Caesar's special elite soldiers that would guard him, and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretext or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Why would he rejoice? Because Paul knew the only hope for every man was to one day hear preaching to Jesus. If there's anything going to fix, change any man's problem, he's going to have to hear someone preach about Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer for every problem. The problem is not racism. The problem is not coronavirus. The problem is that we got a problem with God if we ain't come to Jesus. If we ain't listened to the good news of the gospel and embraced the grace that God's salvation has offered, the root of whatever you're going through is that you need a good dose of Jesus. Can I get an amen? And Paul, even in prison, was rejoicing. He was excited because what had happened to him, it actually made the gospel further advance so that the preaching of Jesus was being done more and more even than anywhere else. And Paul said, in this, even in prison, I'm going to rejoice. I want you to think about this with me, and I want you to look at this in context. Paul is not in a good place. I want you to turn with me right quick. Hold your place there because we're flipping right back. And I want you to turn with me to the first page of the book of Romans. Paul yearned to go to Rome. He's been waiting for years. He wrote the book of Philippians, we believe, around 61 or early 62. And he wrote the book of Romans, we believe, in 58. When he wrote the book of Romans, 
he was not in prison. He was in 2 Corinthians on his second missionary journey. And he's longing to go to Rome. He's heard about the church. He's never been there. And it comes out in his letter, the heart of Paul, and how he yearns to go to this fellowship and fellowship with them. Look at what he says in verse 8 of the book of Romans. Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you, who? The church at Rome, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. They were so special to him, he prayed every day for them. He had heard about their faith it went throughout the whole world. Paul desired to go there. Look at verse 10. Making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul said, man, I'm praying. I want to come see y'all. Look at what he says in verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul's intention was when I get there, we're going to fellowship like we're doing today. And we're going to, by our mutual faith, encourage one another and strengthen one another. Paul says, now in verse 13, I do want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you. I want to emphasize that. Paul said, I have often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also as among the other Gentiles. Now, Paul's intention for a long time has been to come to Rome. Do you know how Paul got to come to Rome? He got a free trip paid by Caesar in chains. Paul was arrested in Caesarea. For two years he was held in prison because of his preaching the gospel by his fellow Jews had him in prison. They didn't know what to do with him. Finally, one day King Agrippa says to the governor Felix, Felix says, hey, I got this dude in the jail. His name is Paul. He's weird. He's crazy. He's, he's obsessed with God and somebody named Jesus. And you're the king of the Jews. Maybe you can help me to make a judgment on this matter. So they bring Paul before King Agrippa and he preaches Jesus. And Agrippa himself looks at him and Felix looks at him and he said, this man has done nothing worthy of chains and imprisonment. If he wouldn't have had appealed to Caesar, we could have let him go. But Paul was a Roman citizen, so he had appealed to Caesar. So that meant he had to go to Rome for his case. So guess what? Paul realized that it wasn't an accident that he was headed to Rome. And he got a free trip. On the way there, they had a little trouble. The ship crashed, the ship wrecked. But eventually, where we're going to pick up, they bring Paul to Rome and he's delivered. And it's just one book over probably a page over in your Bible, just like mine. Look at Acts chapter 28. I want you to pick up with me in verse 16. Look how Paul entered Rome. Wasn't the way he planned. He didn't go to church. He went to jail. <laughs> I don't know about y'all. That make half the Baptists give up right there. But look at what it says in verse 16. Now, when we came to Rome, the centurion, that's the Roman guard, delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. And Paul was one of those prisoners. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. And Paul every day was in a house that was better than prison, but he was chained to a Roman guard. Now I want you to think about this. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he says to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans 
Paul said, I've come as a prisoner. And so he goes and tells them that I've done nothing wrong or worthy of death. But look at verse 19. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you. And I want you to look, because of the hope of Israel, I am bound with these chains. So here Paul was. And look at verse 23. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to Paul at his lodging to whom he explained and he solemnly testified of the kingdom of God. Can you imagine this poor Roman soldier, pagan as he is? He's chained to Paul every day. And Paul ain't looking at it as a hindrance. Paul's probably looking at it as, Jesus going to get you, boy. <laughs> I bet them Roman soldiers was putting in for a change of post. <laughs> or either they was putting in for a change of life. They was getting Jesus. How do you know that? Because Paul says they were getting saved. The end of the book of Philippians, he says, we greet you and especially those of Caesar's household, his Praetorian guard who were getting saved. Now look at what happens here. It says, concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. That's what Paul's preaching. From morning till evening, that prisoner was, prisoner wasn't Paul no more, that prisoner was him. And look at this. And some were persuaded by things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. And so some believed, some didn't. But Paul kept preaching Jesus, furthering the gospel, advancing the kingdom. And that's what we're going to look at for a little while this morning. I want you to look at this. Look at what it says in verse 30 and 31, the last two verses of the book of Acts. This is where Paul is right now while he's writing Philippians. This is what's going on. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, and he received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence and no one forbidding him. He was in chains, but he was not quiet. You know, today I want to ask you something. When you encounter a new situation in your life, what are your first thoughts? When something unexpected happens to you that you didn't realize or plan to happen, What's the first thing happens to you? When God allows something difficult to happen in your life, what is your usual reaction? Because I'm going to tell you what, your usual reaction is a result of your first thoughts. When something bad happens to you, whatever your first thinking comes to your mind, that's going to be what influences your usual reaction. Paul's usual reaction was not usual (laughs) because his first thoughts were very unusual. You see, I want you to think about this. There's two ways to look at every situation. How it affects me and how it affects God's kingdom. Unfortunately, most everybody doesn't look at their situation about how it affects the kingdom. Most of the time when we encounter a new situation, our thoughts are not about the kingdom of God. Instead, our focus is on ourselves. And friends, Paul looked past himself to the greater picture, the kingdom. You see, it's easy to become angry and fearful for your well-being when you remain focused on yourself all the time. And that's where most of us live, self, self, self. But when we look to see what God intends to do through our circumstances, we see the big picture and how he can use us And it's not an accident we're where we are. 
Paul understood that I'm in jail, but I'm, I'm living for Jesus. I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. If he brought me in jail, here's a purpose. Oh, boy, he changed you to me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. You see, guys, when something happens to us, instead of focusing on us, we ought to focus about the kingdom. You know what? After this sermon and this week, I look at the stay-at-home and the coronavirus. It's been a blessing to this church. You say, what? I didn't say that the corona, but there's some things going on now that wasn't going on before Rona showed up that would have never happened if it had not been for the situation that God put us in. Now, I want you to think about this. Advancing the kingdom of God is the most important thing on earth. Would you agree with me? And Paul's greatest concern was how his circumstances might further the gospel because how God establishes his gospel is one person at a time, one soul at a time. You know how we're going to change America? One person at a time when they come to Christ. I'm going to tell you something. When a man comes to Christ, racism's over. When he's living in the fullness of who God is and Jesus lives in his heart, he doesn't see men for color. He sees people like God does. They're either lost or they're saved. They're either in the kingdom or they're out the kingdom. They're either going to heaven or they're going to hell. And it don't matter what color. It doesn't matter what education level. Everyone, my friend, when they come to the cross, are the same. And what's wrong with America today is we need a good spiritual awakening and a revival of the gospel going forth. Because the only thing is going to change people's hearts is when Jesus comes into that heart. And friends, here today, there is a lot of people who are struggling and who are empty and who are without Jesus. I want to take a moment to look at you. What made Paul believe this? Paul believed God is what made him think this way. What Paul believed about God. Friends, here's Paul in prison. He didn't want to go to, he's, he knows the church is right there in Rome. He ain't getting to go to the church. You see, we're so focused on coming to church, we forgot we are the church. And friends, listen, wherever we are, God's expecting us to advance the kingdom by the furthering of the gospel and preaching Jesus. And when Corona showed up, that didn't put us, yes, stay at home. That don't mean you quit working and serving Jesus. Oh, look at what's going on now out there. It's unsafe to go to town. It may be unsafe to go to town, but friends, listen, we still got to stand up together and represent Christ and use the circumstances, not for a reason to say, oh, woe is me, but for a reason to say, God, what do you want us to do in this situation? I'm here to tell you that this rioting and this unrest and this terrible condition of our society is probably the greatest potential for the church since I've been in ministry. Because history shows us that when, when society is at its worst, the church is at its best. And I'm here to tell you society is at its worst since I've been saved. And guys, listen, there's people that oh, i got to leave that's going to start calling on Jesus before long. Friends, I just seen yesterday where Minneapolis, 12 to 0, unanimously, their town councilman voted to not defund to get away and get rid of their police. 
Well, friends, I got a feeling when people start calling 911 and there ain't no policeman coming, some of them going to start calling on Jesus. I don't look at that as all bad. It's bad. I hate to see it happen, but it's going to be somebody. You're going to need somebody. When you call and they say, well, we're trying a holistic approach to law and order. We don't believe we need policemen. If you was at my house right now, you'd believe it. <laughs> but you know what? I believe when it gets worse, people's going to realize that the answer ain't in policemen anyway. It's in Jesus. And friends, listen, I want you to think about what Paul was going through. Why did Paul think like this? He said, what happened to me being in prison, chained to a Roman soldier every day, not being able to have freedom to go wherever I want, has actually turned out to be a benefit for the furtherance of the gospel. So here's Paul preaching. He's winning people within Caesar's household because of where God has strategically placed him. Now, I want you to think about this. The apostle's mind was not like most of our minds. He didn't walk by sight. Oh, we're in the middle of coronavirus. Oh, no, have you watched the news? Oh, no, have you seen what's going on? He walked by faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith in what God has said he could do. Faith in who God says he is. Paul, he wasn't looking at, oh, no, I'm in prison. Oh, no, I'm chained to this soldier. I can't do anything. My hands are chained. I can't serve God. No, Paul wrote letters. We're reading one. We're preaching from it. Paul preached to Roman soldiers, and they got saved. Friends, listen, Paul walked by faith, not by sight. He didn't let what was going on around him influence what he allowed to happen within him. He still believed in God. How could he do that? I want to show you another thing. Paul believed God is always working in a believer's life. Do you believe that? If you got saved, God is at work in you. God don't give up on us. God don't give up on the church. God hasn't given up on the advancement of the kingdom. And whatever God has allowed, he is using it for his good or you don't believe the word of God. Look what Paul told him as he's writing to the Philippians. The first thing he says, he says in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He's thankful because he realizes the church in Philippi, he knows there's a church there that the gospel had influence in. Look, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. Here's Paul. He says, I'm thankful and I'm joyful for you, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul said, I'm thankful because there's a day when you heard the gospel and you got saved and God put a church there in Philippi. And guess what, guys? I'm confident. Look at the next verse. I'm confident of this very thing. That he, God, who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul understood that God didn't change his mind because I went to prison. God hasn't quit working because coronavirus showed up. God hasn't quit working because we got people telling us to stay at home. God is still at work. God is at work in everybody who's saved by his grace. Friends, listen to this one. Paul understood also, though, that God works according to his will and not your will. Listen to what he told him. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And guys, 90% of the church, the primary thing, the overall part of their relationship to God is them trying to get God to do what they want to do. But in the Bible, 90% of a relationship with God is God getting you to do what he wants you to do. 
And we got it backwards. And Paul understood that what God is doing, how he is working, is not according to your goodwill. It's not according to your good pleasure. It's according to his. And God might sometimes appoint and allow things to happen that don't make sense in our natural way of thinking. Now, friends, I want you to think about this. Paul believed God has complete control of all things. Most of us don't believe that anymore. We say it, but our first thoughts may be that, but our usual reaction is not. See, Paul wrote a Roman church. He says, for we know that all things work together for good. Not some things, not most things, all things, but to those who love God. And people who love God and people who are called according to his purpose. You see, Paul knew, I've answered the purpose of God's calling. I'm doing what God's told me to do. He told me to preach the gospel. He told me to plant churches. He told me to go out and evangelize and do missionary journeys. And if he's allowed me to be where I'm at, there's a reason for it, Elena. And friends, listen, Paul said it's going to work out for good because I love Jesus and I've answered his purpose. I'm the called. And guys, listen, if you love God, if you're following Jesus and you're trying to live according to his purpose, whatever happens in your life, God's going to work it out for good. He's going to make it a blessing, not only to you, but to others. Paul is a blessing. I don't know about y'all, but them Roman soldiers that got saved, I bet they in heaven today praising God that Paul went to jail and God chained them to him. Because without Paul showing up in Rome, they would have went to hell. There's rioters all over out there in our land, hell-bent on destroying our country, full of hatred. And the only thing I ever set them free is not getting what they think they want, but getting what they desperately need, a relationship with a holy, loving God. And the only way they're ever going to get it is if the church wakes up and says, Jesus loves you. And because he loved me, I love you. You don't look like me. You don't act like me. I don't like anything you do or act like. But I want to tell you that I love you. And you need to change. We need to change. But we all need Jesus. Friends, Paul said all things work together for good. That means stay at home quarantine, coronavirus. That means the rioting and racism, all of that in America that we're looking at, if everybody would love God enough to let his purpose be activated in their life, God said, I'll work the things out going on in your life for good. Paul believed that. So Paul wasn't upset because he was in jail. Paul said, well, people's getting saved. People's preaching the gospel. Because I'm in jail and I'm preaching and getting away with it, people's getting saved. It's giving confidence to all the brethren. Now they're even preaching Jesus. Some of them are doing it for the wrong reason, for the wrong motives. Some of them are doing it because they're trying to hurt me. But you know what? Even though they're doing it for the wrong reason, I'm still going to praise God because at least Jesus is being preached. And because Jesus is being preached, I'm going to rejoice. I don't know about y'all. Jesus is being preached, friend. Jesus is being proclaimed. The church is still making an impact, the ones who want to. And friends, I want you to think about what else Paul believed. Paul believed God is able to keep what he appoints. You see, Paul knew, he said, the Lord appointed me to be a preacher. The Lord appointed me to be an apostle. The Lord appointed a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul said, I'm doing what the Lord told me to do. He believed that God is able to keep what he appoints. Look at this next verse. It's the next verse under that. And Paul said, for this reason, I'm suffering these things. But nevertheless, I'm not ashamed to be in jail for Jesus, for I know who I've believed. 
And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep whatever I've committed to him. What did Paul commit to him? His life, his ministry, the call that God called him to do. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I don't believe it's an accident God put this church here. I don't believe it's an accident that God's led the church to where we are. I believe that what we're doing is exactly what God wants us to do, and how we're doing it needs to be exactly the way he wants to do it. And guess what? God's going to keep his appointments. And when I say keep his appointments, I don't mean hair appointments like ladies been worried about for three months. I mean the things he tells us and appoints us to do. And friends, when God appoints us to do something and we enter into that appointment and we commit to it, I want to tell you something. He's going to keep his promise. Can I get an amen, church? If we keep doing what we're supposed to do here, it may not look like what we thought it was supposed to look like, but it's going to accomplish what God says is important. It's going to advance the kingdom. It's going to further the gospel. People are going to get saved. And friends, God's in charge of that, not us. Our job is just to do what he appointed us to do and believe that he can do it. That's how Paul lived his life. If he was in jail, fine. If he was on a ship and it was sinking, he still said, hey, if you'll listen to me, my God gave me a vision. He said, if everybody will listen to me, no one will perish because he's got to get me to Rome. (laughs) And I know I'm going to get there. And so Paul, no matter what, believed his God had it under control. Amazing thing that Paul could believe. You see, preaching Christ advances the kingdom. Paul knew that. And that's why Paul's rejoicing, because he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being preached. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Friends, Paul was sitting there. One would get saved. He'd say, oh, now I'm going to get to discipling. They put a new one on him. Paul said, ooh, now I got me a new one. Paul looked at every day. As he got chained to those Roman soldiers, that's an opportunity. Wherever he was at while he was there, listen what it says. It says that Paul, for those years that he was there, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own house, received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him, even though he was chained. And the Roman soldiers even were getting saved. Paul said, man, I'm going to rejoice in this. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but when I look at what's going on around here, after this week, God convicted me, and he showed me that you need to shut up. Things are going a lot better than you realize. Friends, I want you to understand something. Paul realized what happened to him had furthered the gospel So you know what he says? I want you to know, brethren, that the things that are happening to me actually have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That's the most important thing. You know what God showed me this week? The best thing for us is for us proclaiming and advancing the kingdom through the furtherance of the gospel that's happened since I've been here is the coronavirus. You say, what? Yep. More people are hearing what we are preaching about this morning than ever before since I've been the pastor of this church. Probably since this church has been here. Friends, I want to show you something. I don't know if you realize it, but when Corona showed up, I was whining to God this week. Lord, a couple weeks ago, I don't want to do two services. Lord, I'd rather just do one. Lord, why we got to do two? And I knew the Holy Spirit had showed me, go to two, go to two. Look at this, you're reaching more people. And I was fighting it, and then he tells me, Don't you think two would be more fruitful 
it would reach more people. That two services in the morning are going to reach more people than one service in the evening would. And I'm sitting here fighting it. And God said, you was just whining the other day about preaching to a camera. Now I get got you preaching to people's faces twice on Sunday, and here you are whining. And I was whining to God because I'm preaching to a camera. I'm tired of preaching to that camera. I don't want to preach to faces, God. Get us back in church, God. God, this ain't right. This ain't the way I expected things. We was going so good. We was growing. People was coming. We was packing her out. Everything we thought that was supposed to happen, God, you was blessing us, moving to the back. It was victory. Now look at us. God said, what do you mean there ain't no victory? Are you preaching the word of God? Are people responding? You know, I don't know if you realize this or if you can see this, but if you look at this, if you look at those numbers, that one there, with the three in a row, that was the first three sermons we did. And friends, if you can see them numbers, one of them, I didn't write them down and I can't see them from this far. Can y'all see them? That middle one, 1. 1.5. 1,500 people has watched that middle service since March the 20th. 578 watched the top one. And friends, listen. The first one, 819 watched. As you know what I've noticed, when we did those ones over there, man, they weren't as good as they are now. We show up, man, we have to do them over and over. We'd have to start up. Brother Jesse was back there. Brother Jesse, was it chaotic? Was it difficult? Man, we was messing up. We couldn't get the audio right. Friends, I don't know about this one, but the one from last week, since last Sunday, Friday, it was 266. It was 272 this morning. 272 people watched the service since last Sunday on Facebook. I don't know about y'all, but I'm praising God. That would have never happened had we not had coronavirus interrupt and make us regroup. Friends, I don't know about you, but you know what? Last week, we had 54 people in this service, 47 sitting in here, 16 kids in there, and five in nursery. It comes together to 68. Yeah, them together, we had 122 people. You had 122 and 270, 392 people heard the furtherance of the gospel last week, heard Jesus preached. Friends, listen, week before that, 141, 156 listened to the sermon, 297. If you add the last two weeks together, 689 people heard Jesus loves them. I'm telling you right now, Jesus loves you. He will save you. you and if you get saved, you don't want to come up here and be with us, amen? You'll forget about it out there. And friends, listen, we got to get it out. We got to go. We got to believe in what God has calling and pointed us to do. Friends, I understand there's a lot of people scared. But you know what? I'm amazed at. Here at our, we'll look around, go away. Oh, man. It ain't the way I like it. It ain't what I thought it ought to be. Friends, I don't know about y'all. It's exactly the way God wants it to be. If we're doing what he tells us to do. Listen, 4,000 people, people gave 412 hours last week. Week before that, they gave $9,410. I don't know about y'all, but somewhere God said, put some money in this. Bring money to my storeroom. I got work to do. I'm going to bless the world with this church that's preaching my word, that's believing in my gospel. Why would Paul do what he did? Why would he believe? Because Paul believed with everything in his soul, everything from the tip of his head to the bottom of his feet, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation, and it'll save anybody who'll believe it. He believed that the message of the cross may be foolish to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul understood the gospel on the right side of the cross. He'd been through Calvary. 
He used to be Saul. He used to be an old wicked Pharisee. But now he was filled with the love of Jesus and he was the apostle Paul. He was a missionary planting churches, preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. He had been changed. And friends, God changes people when the gospel gets in their life. Friends, the greatest thing we got is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news that Jesus died for you. He loves you and he will save you. But if you walk away from him, he will walk away from you one day. You will stand before God and God will say, what about him? And Jesus said, depart from me for I never knew you. But friends, everybody who will come, he says his arms are wide open and they are welcome. Friends, I don't know about you, but I'm looking around today. There's a lot of people that need to come. And friends, I want you to think about this. Yesterday, I got this. Just yesterday. If you look at the date on that, July the 27th, that was yesterday. It's easy for us to look and say, you know, used to be good. We were all here together, and I agreed. And there is a a blessing about having everybody here and it being full. But guys, listen, we added our service together. And last week, we had 121 actually come here on campus. Week before that, we had 141. We were only averaging like 130s, 135 before Corona hit. But guys, I want you to listen to what this article says. You see, surveys, most Americans aren't comfortable coming back to church yet. And the truth of the matter is they are not coming back. According to this survey and according to what I talk about with our um, director of missions, Brother Lane Moore, he told me most of the churches ain't nowhere near where we are in the comeback. We're almost exactly where we were. And friends, I want you to think of this. It says in this article, a new study examining America's response to the COVID-19 shows that with the exception of white evangelicals, and one thing right now, you're supposed to be ashamed to be a white, much less an evangelical. This makes me proud because in the exception of white evangelicals, a majority of Americans are not comfortable returning to in-person religious services. Majority said they're not comfortable. And I understand if you're a high risk, if you got some things wrong with you, but friends, I want to tell you something. It ain't always comfortable following Jesus. It ain't always safe. And America desperately needs a church that is alive and vibrant, that is bringing forth the gospel, advancing the kingdom, because the only hope for America is the church and her message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else will fail every time. And friends, I want you to think about this. The results of the survey suggest that despite political pressure to reopen houses of worship from President Donald Trump, as well as leading conservative Christians and religious liberty advocates, Americans aren't quite ready to take a seat in a sanctuary yet. The survey from the American Enterprise Institute showed that 64% of Americans surveyed said they were somewhat uncomfortable or very uncomfortable attending in-person worship. Listen to this. Even among those who reported that their church offered in-person worship said that in the past week, 56% of the respondents said they did not choose to go back to their church. I don't know about y'all, but y'all some brave souls for Jesus. Praise God. And I don't know, I have no, I understand if you're uncomfortable, but friends, listen. We got to fill the house of God. We got to preach Jesus. We got to get it going again in the gospel of Jesus. Paul said, man, I'm going to praise God. You know what? I look out here today. 
And I believe one day this will be full again in both services. Father God, I thank you for bringing everybody out here this morning, for giving us the opportunity to come here and hear the word from Brother Marvin. I thank you for laying that message on his heart, God. And I just, I just thank you for keeping us up at the level that we were, God, because not all churches have been this fortunate, God. I just want to bless the offering and lay it on somebody's heart, God, to just lay that down, God. And if somebody has left here, God, without you in their heart, God, that they would realize it and accept you as their Savior, God. In your name I pray this. Amen.